The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke. Um, with me this week, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Good evening. And special guest this week, we have Chris Peckover. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for being, yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, so Chris, uh, you just directed Better Watch Out, um, or at least it was just released on home video. I'm, I guess you directed it, what, like a year and a half ago or two years ago? Uh, it depends on what you call directing. If, if you mean like finished it uh, June of last year, but we shot it in like February of last year. Okay. Oh wow! It was it was a super fast post, yeah. Yeah, wow, that is a really good turnaround. Um, so, uh, I just got to see this a few weeks ago and um, was really blown away by it. And it seems like everyone that I have encountered who have seen Better Watch Out have had really great things to say about it as well. Um, but I, I reached out to you on Twitter, and uh, I again thank you for doing the podcast. Yeah, man, I, it, it's uh, it's constantly surprising to me just how how nice everyone's been about the film because it's I keep looking back on it and like it's a pretty it's a pretty out there topic it hits and it kind of you know like it's I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that but like it's uh, it's racy <laughs> I wasn't expecting I was definitely <laughs> expecting a little more lashback. Well, yeah. there's, a, there's a niche niche. We just did our top five holiday ones and mine are totally opposite. I'm not, it's not my holiday. Halloween is more my holiday. So there's, I feel there's definite demand for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I've always been a big fan of, of um, kind of like genre that takes place during holidays. I, I, I gotta be honest. I did not realize how big of a hole, I, I guess not a hole, but like, I didn't realize how much in demand Mm. Those were so. I guess that's definitely helped us. Yeah, definitely. There's and there's there's not enough of them uh, for the people who like them. You know, we have our we have a few, but this one I has definitely been added to my uh, my list of that that group. You know, when I think holiday horror kind of thing, I do Gremlins and Krampus from a few years back, um, Black Christmas, and now Better Watch Out. Man, well, thank you to be to be uh, to be in the in the room with those movies. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so, Chris, what we'll do is uh, we'll ask some general questions, uh, kind of get to know you a little bit, and then we'll get into some movie-specific questions, and then we'll end with your top five movies of all time. Oh, man, I'm ready. All right, great. Um, <laughs> let's start with, Chris, where are you from? I'm a bit of a mutt. I'm, um, I-, I was born in Montreal. I'm half Canadian, half Australian, but oh. uh, – when I was eight, we moved to like the smallest county in Texas. It's called Rockwall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I kind of, uh, I'm an international baby, you could say. Wait, wait a minute. The smallest county, Texas does everything big. How do they have small counties? I know. It's it's one of those weird counties that's, I'm sure, by the way, Rockwall, it's their smallest county. I'm sure it's like way larger than most other counties. Oh. Most other <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Rhode Island can fit in it like, yeah. many yeah, times. Exactly. <laughs> 
So, so it's kind of like near Dallas Fort Worth. Okay. Um, when did you kind of fall into filmmaking as a passion? Um, fall is a, is a good way of putting it because I I uh, I wish I had had the guts to figure it out earlier on, but I wanted to be a uh, brain surgeon all the way through, like, (laughs) yeah. Dang. (laughs) Through, like, sophomore year in college. Wow. When I started realizing, oh, my God, it's just all rote memorization, and I'm terrible at that. Man, So I kind of had this, like, talk with my mentor, and I was like, what do I do? And he's like, well, if money didn't matter, what would you do? I was like, brain surgeon, of course. I was like, wait a second. No, (laughs) I want to be a doctor because I want financial stability. Fuck it. Um, I love movies. I would, I would make movies. And he was like, all right, go do movies. (laughs) He's pretty nonchalant about it. Oh, that's quite the change. But I, but I definitely took it to heart and, um, and I'm really glad I made the switch because man, being a brain surgeon, I mean, I, I, I kind of got to, to, uh, have my cake and eat it too, because in a way making movies, you're definitely like there, it's a study about how audiences react and how to like control what they're expecting. It's kind of like brain surgery in a way you're like reading what they're going to think and also what they don't know is coming. And it's all about kind of playing with expectations and emotions. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And like the psychological side of, of filmmaking too. I mean, you are, manipulating the audience to feel the way you want them to feel in order to get the reactions that you're going for. So I can see that. It's, uh, yeah. Um, but there, there's a lot less liability in filmmaking than, than <laughs> brain surgeries. I mean, there's a lot of liability still, but yeah, maybe personal. Different, <laughs> yeah. different kind of liability, different. Kind right. Of exactly. Um, man. So, so you were in college when you made the decision. Um, did you end up going to film school? Sort of. Um, so I graduated in film studies, I guess. And then uh, I went to this little 26-person-a-year program at USC. It's called oh. the Peter Stark Producing Program. Okay. Um, and it was kind of a, me cheating the system. I'd, I'd heard that film school was kind of a waste of time because for as expensive as it is, you may as well just go – you know, like finance your first couple of years living there and just go write and make movies and hang out on film sets and try to learn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, the producing program is this uh, really small, like I said, 26 people um, program where you, you don't have normal teachers, you have like actual real industry people come in and teach. So like we had um, a big agent from paradigm teach a class and, uh, Hutch Parker, who was the president of production at Fox, his like wife taught for a semester, and they just Man. come in with all these huge industry people who teach you kind of like, here's what studios want, here's what financiers want, here's what agents and and actors and and here's how to schedule and budget and so on. I didn't ever really want to be a producer, but I knew I'd learn how producers and Hollywood thinks. Mm-hmm. And also, I'd graduate with 25 people who did want to be producers. <laughs> and it's been kind of cool. My first two movies have both been produced by by former Starkies. So oh, man. That's awesome. It, I, it, I definitely gamed the system. Yeah, you did. And it went okay, yeah. Well, I mean, def- 
definitely the power of networking because when you have that small of a size of a cohort, there's you know you're gonna have a connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> after after everything we went through together, we're pretty well, yeah tight. See, I I teach um high school film at uh, in our little community here in Florida, and um I always like to hear from you know, people in the industry to kind of guide them. You know, the kids who do want to pursue it, like some just like having a class where they get to watch movies and talk about them. But others are, you know, really this is their passion and where they want to end up. So um, I have a student right now about to graduate who's looking to go to USC. Um, and he's got a pretty good shot of getting in. He's got he's got the grades. But it's always interesting to hear the perspectives of, like, whether film school is worth it or if you just get on set and start, you know, the uh, the PAA route. You know, work your way in, network and whatnot. I, I usually tell people if you're rich or you got money to burn, why not? You'll, you'll make great connections, but honestly, you'll make great connections either way if you just start PAing and being a good person and, and writing every day. So there's, there's kind of pros and cons to each. I, in hindsight, not being of the rich kind, I probably, yeah, I, like I'm still, like, I've made two movies. I'm still paying off my student loans. Yep, man. Yeah. <laughs> So like it's and I don't I, you know like I I came out of USC with a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. So. Oh. That school is is not cheap for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't think film school is worth it now unless or unless you're going to go into like visual effects. Ah. Yeah. Because which... that that's a job that pays immediately and people are are hunting for you out of school. So really, see that's so, like, interesting because oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, because um, I know I know Babylon, one of their sponsors. Uh, what is it? The Dave School. Yeah, Dave of... School is in Orlando, Florida, um, on the and, Universal lot. And one of their big things is the visual effects part of it, and it's uh, just one of those things you don't. I guess the uh, the sheer volume of CGI that's used yeah. in even smaller productions counts for exactly. it. Exactly, and, yeah. and hundreds of people and, and are working me- on that every time. Sorry, Chris. And then meanwhile, no one's ever going to be like, wait, but let me see your writing degree from USC. No one has ever done that in the history of Hollywood. (laughs) What? I've never had. You know what? That's funny. I used to walk around with a laminated copy of my high school diploma. I think I still have it in my wallet. And no one's ever asked for it. I feel a little. (laughs) I get that. So. So Times aren't like how they used to be. No, (laughs) not at all. Um, Especially, I mean. Uh, with Better Watch Out, what were the biggest obstacles you had with getting it made? I feel like any movie that gets made has to, by rite of passage, go through at least 10 moments when it almost doesn't happen. So, or, or it doesn't happen, and you have to start all over. So, um, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to think of what the first one was. Uh it's it's more like it's hard to say like oh this is think of it this way so it took me six years to get my second film made Mm -hmm. out of my first film which was undocumented um i was developing a movie at uh blind wink which was gore verbinski's company oh wow which Mm. then lost its uh lost it like they just weren't producing any movies aside from Gore's films. So Universal was like, why are we giving you $3 million a year? Mm-hmm. So they shut down and my project went dead. So it's there's a lot of like starting and stopping and starting and stopping. I was actually developing 
another movie at Universal when Better Watch Out, we kind of finished on the side, and I, I asked this executive, I was like, I don't mean to double dip, but could you read this and let me know what you think? And uh, he was amazing, and he, he kind of connected us to um, – some he was he knew I was Australian and he's like let's use that and he sent the script to like a, a Australian financier by the name of Brett Thornquest hmm. and Brett really reacted strongly to the script and he was like do you want to make it in Sydney Australia and I was like it's a Christmas movie uh, there's no snow there and he was like we'll make it work so it was pretty cool yeah we yeah. Sh- we shot in Sydney last year oh wow. I never would have guessed. Yeah, it, it truly. Well, uh, at the right at the beginning credits, I, I had a um, Christmas story flashback because it definitely I felt like the way the text and the credits were doing, and it, and then you know the kid insulting the other one with a sodomy reference. <laughs> I whoa that that I, I I knew what we were into now. So yeah, uh, you actually I lied. So that opening title sequence. Uh, we shot over eight hours in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Really, I mean, basically, if you see outside and cars and people walking through the snow, Mm -hmm. it's Minnesota. But after the first 90 seconds, it all takes place in a set that we built at Fox Studios. Oh, wow. Man, it's quite a set, though, because it... um... I mean, the house alone, it's, it's, there's so many things that when I was watching it, I was just thinking about other movies. Like, uh, I don't want to spoil the film for those of you who haven't seen it because we want you to go out and get Better Watch Out, but, um, and we will avoid spoilers, but just, um, the references I got from other films, like there was a moment where I was, I was thinking Black Christmas. Like, I thought I knew what was going to happen. I was like, oh, is this like Black Christmas? I'm like, oh, no, no, it, it is not, it is not like that at all. And that's, one of the things I loved about the film is every time I thought I knew where it was going to go, it took a, a turn and I was like just completely engaged the entire time and um, really uh, kind of blown away by the whole the whole film and uh, with the cast, too, because um, I saw The Visit and I liked The Visit. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't love The Visit, um, but uh, you, you got the two kids from The Visit and they're incredible in this movie. Yeah. Ed, Ed and Olivia. It was also really nice that they already were best friends because it made um, it made bringing Levi in so much easier because they, Olivia and Ed are two of the sweetest, most grounded individuals hmm. um, I, I met in Australia. And they were like, before the movie even started, they were like, oh, we're worried about Levi. He, we're worried he's going to feel like he's a third wheel. So we're going to take him out for like ice cream. And, and they just kind of took wow. him under his wing. Oh, little sweeties. They are. And, and they all became best friends. And like it, it I, there must be something in the water in Australia. All the children <laughs> are like so wonderfully grounded and nice. I'm sure there's others that aren't, but they certainly were. Well, that's a really refreshing thing, you know, because, well, you definitely see it. I feel through the cast of stranger things, but, Sometimes, you know, they don't – we work with students, and we see it a lot. Right. Um, thankfully, they're better than not, but that's that's a great anecdote. That's really refreshing to hear. Yeah. 
Well, and Levi was and in Pan. Oh, I'm s- sorry, Chris. I'm not trying to catch off. Uh, but no, Levi no, no, was no. in Pan um, in 2015, which was a big role for him. Um, so, I mean, you you have three kid actors with great pedigrees and apparently better personalities, which is awesome. Yeah, they they were. All, it it was so, you know. So one one of the big influences for the movie was I was like, I don't see I don't I don't remember being like that when I was twelve. I feel like a lot of movies these days um kind of like put put being 12 or 10 like on a pedestal where you're wide-eyed and full of wonder and you're like mother i love that you know like just kind of like very clean i remember being in seventh grade and being like oh my god <laughs> adults have no idea what's going on in my head like i am <laughs> so much smarter than they're they're treating me <laughs> And I'm having all these like thoughts and curiosities that like I don't I don't dare share because I like that they don't realize my inner world. And so I kind of that was a big influence for this movie was like, hey, let's let's actually talk about what happens when the parents are away. Um, and obviously we go kind of far with better watch out. But <laughs> um, a really important thing to me was when we were kind of like reading through the script together, I kept asking them, I was like, is there anything that doesn't feel authentic here? Do you want to change anything here? I honestly, I don't care about my lines. What I really care about is that this, this is kind of representative of how you feel. Um, and they didn't change anything. It was awesome. I, I, so I totally, somehow we, we definitely tapped into our 12 year old selves authentically. Cause they, they were like, this is, this is it. <laughs> Yeah, Which is really difficult to do. Totally. That's so. I mean, there was a well, in, in, unless you're a, a continual man child like me, <laughs> in which case, just... right? <laughs> well, I mean, there's so many movies that come out though that try to represent like the teenage mindset, and some do a good job, and then some they they quote what you can find like on social media that you get the quotes of what the kids are saying, but they don't use it in the right context, and it just feels inorganic and scripted and it definitely doesn't come off in in the script um and you got patrick warburton who i am i've been a big fan of for a <laughs> long time and he yeah, gets some funny moments early in the movie you know let's just out and say it you're talking about the gay ornaments scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not a spoiler that's not a spoiler no that's no not it's not <laughs> you know that that wasn't the script those are really, really patrick's uh, oh, awesome. collection of, of gay Christmas ornaments. <laughs> oh man, he is, like um... he was like I I really want to fly some ornaments down with me. I'm just gonna surprise you once we get here. And he like opened up this box. It's even the box that he's holding him in was his. Oh. And there's like a bunch of ones that we couldn't show oh. because of legal reasons. But if you look carefully in the first shot, you can see his Marilyn Monroe one. His uh, Scarlett, o- Scarlett O'Hara one, um, his Judy Garland one, yeah, his Wicked Judy Witch Garland. of the West. Yep. <clears throat> and it's all of his like gay icon Christmas ornaments that he's just collected over the years. Ah, so he's a, he's a friend of Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> he, I think what he is, is intensely aware that he has a big gay following. <laughs> and and does not mind playing around with that. So hey, um, you, you play you play to your audience. Yeah. And and it was funny either way. It was funny to everybody. He, I just 
when 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 he pitched this idea to Virginia Madsen, her <laughs> eyes just lit up and she said yes. <laughs> and they, they improvised that entire scene. Oh, man. Uh, all that was mi- all that was missing is a Candyman argument, and then well, I guess you couldn't legally use that. I guess uh, we barely got away with the ruby slippers. I'll tell you that. Uh, oh, I'm I sure that's that's licensing that they definitely are tight with. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, you mentioned like tapping into your inner child. Um, what inspired the overall story for Better Watch Out? So it's kind of a. I don't want to say muddled, but it, it it started out as actually a script written entirely by Zach Kahn. Hey. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, oh, are you there? Yep. Okay. There. There, yep. It's all fixed now. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me start that over. Yeah. Um, so th- the script was originally written by Zach Kahn, who, um, believe it or not, had a way, way, way darker Wow. Um, version that, uh, you know, my first film was a very, very dark film um, that I, I, I got to use the word hopeless. Like there was kind of like a hopelessness to it. Almost, almost like Requiem for a Dream. Oh, man. Ooh. Well, now I got to watch it. It's, you're talking about undocumented, right? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a great movie if you don't mind going there, but it's it goes there. So, you know, the, I, I learned through my first film, I was like, oh, only some people are fucked up like me and enjoy going there. <laughs> Most people just kind of like, <clears throat> kind of like go catatonic. And by the end of the movie, they just kind of like totter out and be like, good job. Um, <laughs> so, so his, his version was the, the thing that Zach brilliantly, brilliantly foresaw was that this twist needed to happen. It was like a million dollar twist. Um, and I, I won't say anything more about it, but, uh, when I came on, I, I like to think of my contribution as tonal. Like mm. I made, I made the, you know, like what ends up being a rather, I'll say icky topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came to the script with the challenge of, um, is it possible to make this fun and funny for both sexes for it to be empowering if possible, despite the circumstances, um, and to to not feel hopeless. In fact, at all times, um, you kind of feel like our heroes are toe to toe with the villain, if not one step ahead of them. Mm. So you never. And I, I'm really glad that you said like you couldn't predict what was going to happen because that means it wasn't feeling hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, very like. Again, it's hard to talk about every part I want to talk about without spoiling things, so I'm, I'm going to avoid where I want to go. But Wait, should should we tell your listeners why we're dancing around the movie? Uh, I will let you do that, so that I don't. So I'm not the one to give anything away. So yeah. Um, okay. So the, the the thing that we're dancing around is that 30 minutes into the movie, it takes a really, really, really sharp turn. I want, I don't want to say like a psycho level turn, but it kind of is like mm. a psycho level, level turn where like, it was something that is, as soon as you see any scenes from post turn, it kind of like spoils the, the first 30 minutes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what we're avoiding talking about is like anything specific from the last hour of the movie. Yeah. Uh... You, you could have, even almost say maybe, 
a high tension turn, sort of, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so sorry, where, where were we? Um, uh, I was, I'm uh, wanting to talk about the plot, but, uh, yeah, that's, I'm trying not to talk about the plot because of exactly that. Cause it, it is such an important, <laughs> you really can't. Yeah. You, you can't. And in fact, listeners, we don't, don't go watch the trailer, go get the movie. And it's, it's that type of film. It's, I think it's better going in. Um, I, we have a, Completely one of my blind. students and he, he writes for our site from time to time. Um, got a screener and uh was just loved it and um about, i think it was last year he recommended a horror comedy called housebound from new zealand oh, so oh, good oh so good yeah um we oh. he recommended that to me last year which i then got uh cory and mike all to watch and we all love housebound and that was basically he compared your film to that in a way of like horror comedy you got to watch mm. it don't look it up just go get it and i'm like okay sounds great um and <laughs> Uh, immediately I was just like, oh, he's completely right. I love so much. And that I'm looking at uh, the IMDb page, and it's just listed as horror thriller. And I feel like it's missing that comedy genre. And I think there's enough humor in the film that it deserves it. Like, there's some really funny moments in the movie. I mean, again, that that came out of fear of the movie getting – because, like, think of, think of what the movie would have felt like without the humor. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. pretty, like I said, like, like I was warning earlier, it's like it's racy and dire yeah. in some ways. Um, and so that was that was the challenge. Like, and, and I can't st- stress enough, like I talked to so many of my girlfriends asking like, OK, given that this is the movie, how, how do I still make this feel feminist? Mm. Um, and. And I hope I pulled it off. I've definitely heard you some people job. still. Thank you. It's it's it was. Um, it, and you know what? In no small part to Olivia, who I appreciated when I cast her. Mm-hmm. Now that I've worked with her, she is she's the real deal, and she brings this level of like. Um. She she goes through some shit for the film. Yeah. Um and. Mm-hmm what I really appreciated about her is she never cries. She never begs. She never screams. Um, she, and, and she's always got this sense of like, I'm not going to take this seriously in the way that you guys want me to. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, her performance was fantastic. And I, I liked her in the visit, but what she does in this movie just shows so much growth in her as an actress. Um, was really really impressed with her, and I want to give you credit too. Uh, I don't know if you're a hands-on with actors type director, or if you're more let them act kind of director. But either way, I, I do kind of subscribe to the auteur theory, so I want to give you credit. <laughs> I think I think it depends on the movie. Um, I, if if it's a movie that you're liking the performances in, it's rare that the director was just like, "Wow, they just did that perfectly." Yeah. Um, because. Every actor is a different person with their own movie version of the movie in their head. And it's your job to like kind of not, not be this heavy handed tyrant, but think, I always think of directing as you're like coach of the team and they need to be this machine that looks like they're all working together towards a common goal. But each of them is just their own player thinking about their own thing. So how mm-hmm. do you, how do you get them to become an organism? And it's about, 
a lot of really clear communicating. Um, and so, yeah, we, we talked a ton about things and we did lots of takes to, to get it perfect. But, um, you know, in, in the end, a coach isn't doing any of the sports themselves. So I, I always say like 90% of it is casting and really 10% of it is like shuffle, shuffling a little bit once you're on set. Now, so I see that, you know, the two uh, features that you've done, have you directed any like commercials or anything to, to, to hone your, your skill or did you just jump in right away to the features? I just jumped right into features. I would love to direct commercials because I feel like my student loans would get chipped away at but... <laughs> <laughs> It's hard. It's weird. The, the amount of effort it takes to getting into directing commercials, you may as well just try to make another feature I'm learning. Hmm. So. Well, I have a contact for you. Uh, Jordan Brady, who was a guest on our show, um, is supposed to be one of the best commercial directors out there. Um, he's a uh, stand-up comedian and doc- documentary guy, but I don't know. I might need to get you in contact with him because he has a, he actually has a podcast about commercial filmmaking like making commercials um so just... hook a brother up baby <laughs> uh, are you working on another feature now of course i am um so it hasn't been announced so i have to kind of tiptoe okay um but i will say my first two films have been um i i, I call it backyard villains where mm. it's it's kind of like they're both heightened, but a lot of people come out of the film and they're like, God, I wonder if that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I wonder if that mm-hmm. kind of personality is out there. So um, I'm, I'm excited to say I'm, I'm definitely going into my first suit, like purely supernatural story. Um, the producers are giants among men. Um, this will be the smallest movie they've ever done. Uh, and... I am like knocking on wood right now because it's uh, we're like this close to locking our first big chunk of financing, and once oh, once man. you got that, then everything everything falls into place. Well, that is exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, it is yeah. super cool. Involved, it's a it's a horror movie that involves a doppelganger, which <gasps> I don't feel like I see enough Ooh. of. So I'm really excited mm. about that. I am. That's. Man, I'm very intrigued. I have some ideas of who the producers might be, but I won't say any names. Just I don't want to get you in any kind of p- potential trouble. They, um, they have a very, very big movie coming out um, this winter. I'll oh, say that. Man. Whew. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, I just got to see The Last Jedi, the new Star Wars film. And um, a question that I kind of thought I would ask you is if you could get a franchise deal. So, you know, one of there's so many franchises right now, right? Like everybody's starting one, essentially. Um, what franchise would you would like the opportunity to direct for? Like Marvel, DC, Star Wars, or maybe if they keep the Dark Universe going, uh, but The Mummy kind of says otherwise. Um, you know, so let's, let's start with comic books. Okay. Um, I, I definitely... I mean, last year I was dealing with comic book movie fatigue. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm now at the point where I, I roll my eyes. I did see Thor um, just because it was – I'd heard not like the others, and, I was, and I'm happy to say it was really funny. Yes. Um, I did not care about the action scenes. I did no, not care I about read. the fights, but the humor was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, the, that said – I, I would, I would kill a motherfucker to direct the Venom movie or oh, a sequel to Venom movie. 
because Eddie Brock is by far the most interesting comic book character in my opinion. I love his duality. Yeah. And I would do I would do so much. It's really such a great story about addiction. Mm. Um mm-hmm. yeah. And and the effects it has just yeah. There's 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 a really 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 cool story that I'd like to follow and I would kill to do that. Man. Um other than comic book stuff, uh there's I got a tiptoe again, but you might you might be able to guess. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of like Better Watch Out's opened a lot of doors for me. Yep. Um, in that people, like if I were to pitch, say, a ten million dollar movie, people totally don't scoff at that. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but at least right now, <laughs> at least right now, uh, people <laughs> take it seriously. So I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, I wonder if there's a property out there that could have what Cronenberg did with The Fly. And what John Carpenter did with the thing, oh, where man. no one oh. even talks about the 1950s versions anymore, because the 1980s versions were such a leap and bound of smarts ahead. Like they didn't just redo it; they they reinterpreted the reason to do it, um, and and made it intelligent. So I there's a property from the 50s. And so the, the challenge is, what property out there has not been re-smartified, and yet everyone knows about it, and um, people aren't sanctimonious about it? Like, people wouldn't be up in arms with yeah. pitchforks if I if I did something to it. Uh, and are I you, come are, up with it. Oh, you have. But I can't say, because other people might try it now. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, we don't okay, see, because I had... <laughs> I had suggestions, but never mind because then people will take those suggestions. Yeah, Mike. Maybe I have two. I have two right off the top of my head. It's time for you to start Actually, writing, Mike. <laughs> there's an and. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen Tragedy Girls yet. No. no. A, you guys need to get on top of that. It's yes. Hilarious and fantastic. Um, it has like 16 producers on it. Um, one of those producers is one of the financiers <sighs> of the attempted remake of this movie that I want to do. Got it. So Tyler and I are good friends. He hooked me up with this producer. I just pitched it to him like on Monday. Um, and he was like, I am going to get everyone together to talk about this. So it's got Brianna Hildebrand and Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. I got to watch this. Yeah. Well, and Craig Robinson, it's a, it's, it's a great film. Awesome. Yep. That's added to my queue for sure. Um, man. So, a lot, lot of news, people. If you are uh, a fan of Better Watch Out, we've got a lot of stuff that's potential in the future. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. Exciting. Yeah. So what will? Ho- hopefully, it won't be another six years. That's what I keep telling myself. <laughs> you know, if if it's six years of quality, I guess I mean you need to eat. So <laughs> paycheck. I'm definitely cool. Like I, I, I'm very happy to have been the starving artist who's made two <laughs> films now but like i've made two films now let let the third one like put some food on the table so. yes yeah definitely um and yeah. you know i'd like to see one sooner than six years because i you know i'm not getting any younger chris we gotta get this exactly <laughs> <laughs> um so if it's cool with you we'll then eyesight start going yeah oh oh jesus um you know the hair started for me first, but 
Uh, luckily, I was going to. I, gonna, <laughs> I, I was going to say off. says 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 the younger one of the younger people here. I'm, I mean, I still got I'm all my hair, life. but it's, stop, stop. <laughs> you know, both y'all, because I'm much older than these two, and uh, they've probably given me my my own share of gray hair. <laughs> oh. Come on, we give Corey way more hell than we give you. Yeah, look, <laughs> yeah, come he's on. Not, he's not he's not even privy to your steel book. Uh, I have. So, oh my gosh, but he I'm will gone. be now. That was Corey's only complaint, Chris, is that she couldn't get Better Watch Out in a steel book. <laughs> couldn't get Better Watch Out on steel book. I want to tell you, um, because we all know that like Red Box, um, they usually get like the most popular films and everything. And when I went to initially try to find this movie to watch it. It was checked out of both of my red boxes that I checked, yeah. and I thought that that was really awesome because I did hear about this movie from John, who heard about it from Big Tuna. Yeah, I didn't know if we wanted to say his name, but I think that it's <laughs> going to be really awesome when all these people keep catching on because I just uh, see it happening. Ran into the same problem, so I went the Amazon route yeah. and rented it that way because I couldn't find it. I couldn't. A copy it was all you're checked kidding out. me yeah. no kidding. Cool we've got we and we're in a small town that has a huge red box location there's so many person ratio <laughs> yeah it, it's crazy how small our town is and how many red box locations we have there's literally like one on every corner <laughs> like it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy but um i i rented it from Redbox, and then after i watched it i purchased it on voodoo um, because I was like, well, I'm going to watch this, you know, every year for the rest of my life. And, um, I have, I, I, Mike and I are kind of, we're not celebrities by any means, but in our local community, cause we're teachers. Most people hey, you know speak who we for are. yourself. Okay. Mike's a you speak for yourself. <laughs> but, I'm waiting for that role to play Paul Guzman's ready. little brother. But I have been, I've been telling everyone who will listen to me about this movie, um, especially if I know they're into the horror genre. So I'm going to take credit for the red boxes around here being out. So, but wait, are you saying you went to all the red boxes and rented them? Why no, did no. you do that? Well, you know, I was giving them out like candy, like just oh, on, you're, on you're supplying everyone, not yes. from a van. I just want everyone to be clear. No, I there think was no, you need to do that. No van or issuing of candy, like um, an ice cream truck. Like yeah. here, have some ice cream. <laughs> Oh, you could do it. You could do it like um, Ron Howard's Clint Howard's uh, ice cream man guy. Jeez, that movie. How has that movie come up twice on our podcast? That's <laughs> I don't know, but it terrified me as a child. It's it's me. <laughs> it, it is that's Mike's uh, mo. He is Mister Eclectic. Um, so, Chris, we're going to get into some movie related questions with you, and then we're going to get into your top five. If uh, if you still have good time, I don't want to take you all night or anything. Um, but I thought we'd start with, uh, what's the first movie you remember watching? You know, it's a funny story because, um, one of my best friends from college, have you guys heard of a TV show called, uh, Channel Zero? Yeah. Yeah. The <gasps> sci-fi show. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that's created by Nick Antosca, who's like one of my best friends from college. Um, and he, uh, one of the writers on Channel Zero is uh don mancini mm-hmm. and i just met him for the first time like a couple weeks ago at, at nick's place where i got to tell him you are uh responsible for me being afraid of the dark until like eighth grade <laughs> um, because my parents were lazy not lazy 
my parents were, were kind of poor. We couldn't afford a babysitter every time they went out. So they were like, we're going to go to the movies. Let's just rent Chris and his little brother movies. So when I was five and my brother was three, my mom must not have been paying attention to the cover very much. She got Child's Play. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and like, it's the one movie I have not been able to rewatch. Um, oh, wow. I pr- in fact, Don, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. I still have not rewatched it. I promised I would. I'll do it before. You know what? I'll do it before 2018. But like, fuck me, man. That movie. Yeah. It, so my mom turned it on. And it's scary within like five minutes. Yeah. Um, And my brother and I were catatonic to the point where we couldn't actually get up and turn the TV off. We were so scared. Oh, man. Like, I, I felt like, uh, I felt like, uh, Chris from get out where like my eyes were open and just tears streaming down my face. Oh man. Like, like hypnotized and, and stuck. Um, so it was, it's like we were in the sunken place and we're just watching yep. this horror show <laughs> and couldn't turn it off. You would have been really glad because there was a time at Tampa Bay banned all Chucky dolls. There was a reason oh. for that. I forget the reason. So you would have been that would have been your safe place at the yeah. Raymond James Stadium. It was because no they, they called the coach Chucky. Um, Chucky, that's why. John I don't Jr. know about foosball. Yeah, <laughs> my sports knowledge is waning, and as I as I obsess over films more and more, but. Um, that one I do remember. So that was a really long-winded way of saying child's play. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is, I mean, like my first movie was Ghostbusters, which at two years old scared me a little, but I had more fun than you know scare because Bill Murray's amazing. But man, I right. can't imagine seeing child's play that young. Like I would have, because I, I don't think I saw it till I was in like ten or eleven, and that still scared me then. So. I mean, I, I've been asking people recently because I've been like, I'm eventually going to rewatch it. I've been asking, like, is it just me being five years old and scared of that? And like, no, it is. It's a terrifying movie. Yeah. Dolls are creepy I, anyways. Right. I, I, I got to admit, I've only just this Halloween season watched the first one because I worked backwards because they oh, had sure. put out that most recent one. Yeah. yeah. So Colton it Chucky? didn't. Yes. So it didn't. It didn't have the effect. For, see, for me, my parent, my mom tormented me by taking me to Scarface when I was 10. So different kind of horror. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um, so Child's Play, uh, I'm assuming your answer to this next question will not be Chucky, but what movie character would you most like to be? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Because is it like, I want because then I could be super powered or Ooh. I guess hilarious. There's so many different versions or just like, do I want to be a good, who's a good person? Oh. man. This reminded me of Jason Lee and Mallrats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because gotta... There's so many different. Oh man. Um, okay. You know who I want to be because I really look up to them is, mm. Let me think about this. I got a couple. Let's come back to this one. This okay, is yeah, this is no a, problem. Because this uh, this fe- this feels like personality defining question right now. <laughs> it's a test. Yeah, right, you have to be willing to share this information, I guess, with us. Maybe it's too we're too soon. Too soon. <laughs> if uh, if if the time limit is not uh, kept to Chucky is going to be your default character. Yeah. You'll... Oh no. Oh. Okay. But, okay. 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 Um, we'll come back. <laughs> 
So then let's go into uh, what movie have you watched the most? Like in any format. I don't care if it's theatrical or DVD. Like what's the movie that you've gone to time and time again? You've seen it so many times. On Halloween night, I got to see my favorite movie of all time on 35mm with the original oh. ending. And it was Bliss. Um, it's Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, wow. Oh. Um, and it was playing at Man's Chinese Theater October 31st. That's awesome. It was, it was the coolest. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, yeah, no, there's no characters in there. I'd want to be, all right, I got to move <laughs> on from that movie, but it was so good. Is that when you watch yeah. like every Halloween or I, you know, I don't know if there's any movie that I watch every year, but I think I've probably seen because I, it's a movie that I think I watched every week for like years as a kid i still in fact i'm unpacking right now and like i just found my vhs of it so i've got the vhs the dvd Mm. the blu-ray i've got like one of the original posters uh like movie posters for it so it's definitely a a huge influence for me that's awesome that's yeah i haven't seen that in a long time but i still remember major aspects of it and i just used the uh the jump cut time sequence in my classes recently um teaching my kids about jump cuts so interesting to oh hear that movie yeah totally it's a great movie all right so we're still waiting on the character but what about uh what makes you watch a movie so like what about a movie pulls you in to go and give it the time of day especially since there's so many movies coming out like this week alone there are five theatrical oh, releases coming out so <laughs> what makes you want to see one I feel like three weeks ago there was nothing I wanted. There to wasn't. See. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't. There, there, that that is and correct. Now, everything. I haven't even seen Lady Bird yet. Like, oh, uh, I'm with. Oh, I wish I had. Yeah. <sighs> I've seen like right after we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Um. So. Uh. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> like, what makes you watch a movie? Is, is, is there... oh, what, made, what makes me watch one? Okay. I mean, what makes me watch one is if both it's it's uh, got interesting critical reviews and my friends are saying it. I'm, I'm not someone who sees movies opening night unless that's like a special situation where I'm like, mm. I trust this director. And I believe I believe the marketing because I'm telling you after after we did our marketing for our film I'm now acutely aware of just how oh. little the marketing of a film has to do with the movie. Um, yeah. Like I, I now think of it this way: the trailer, they're not trying to represent the movie to you; they're trying to make you come see it. Yep. So don't think a movie is represented by its trailer. It's literally just it's a calculated. Yeah, co- collection of images and sounds that is specifically designed to make you go by the um, the, the you know the the fourteen karat gold wristwatch at two a.m. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. So, but what really the the big question is what do I like in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that that is very specifically two things. Um. I have seen too many movies at this point, so I need a film that um, takes me somewhere I wasn't expecting. Mm. And I need to care. Yeah, yeah. If if I don't care, I don't care how clever it is. 
I was just watching a, a, a I'm not going to name the name the, the movie, but there's a like internationally acclaimed um, movie from the '60s that I finally well, it was like it's it's considered one of the greatest films of all time. I watched it. I didn't care. It was super smart, super clever, very artful. I didn't care. Mm. So it's kind of it's like a three out of five for me. So is it like you're looking for characters you care about? I I, I want to be drawn in. I want to be invested. <laughs> um, something something I'm learning um, as a director is it's not enough to be visually exciting because you can have all these really awesome like camera shots, but they they in fact pull you out of the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm learning there's this incredible art to being visually exciting and visually unique, and yet the camera is doing things that actually make you want to know more about the characters. Mm -hmm. It's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, like how, how do you, how do you wow the audience and draw them in at the same time as opposed to make them go, Whoa, that was a crazy cool shot. Wait, where are we? Yeah. Yeah. And pulling them out of the story or the premise of the film. (laughs) It sounds like you were describing watching Valerian. That was the best movie ever made. Oh, Oh, Corey. Um, (laughs) Well, like you were talking about the trailer thing, and that was uh, it comes at night that came out this summer. I thought it was a great example of a trailer that misled the audience thinking it was going to be <laughs> uh, like a monster movie, and that's not at all what the film is. But I I love the film, but it wasn't but it, marketed. It, you well. definitely you definitely went through a moment while watching it. I bet of being like, "What the fuck? This is not at all." Yeah, what I thought it was going to be, and then then you can love it on your own terms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely but, agree. Marketing makes it very hard to love a movie on its own terms. I think the number one complaint I've heard about Better Watch Out is people are like, I wanted it to be a, a an R-rated horror version of Home Alone. It wasn't that at all, and I want my money back. Uh, it's like, you know what? If they want that, what's the collector? I mean, you had your nod to Home exactly. Alone. Exactly. Yeah, so. but you know what? I don't blame them for thinking they bought a pepperoni pizza and they ended up getting a jack-in-the-box surprise. <laughs> um, so, I mean, but I, I, I love being surprised. In fact, like I was saying, I, I don't want to know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I, I like being led by the nose and, and to places I wasn't expecting, but some people just want their, their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yep, they want they want to exactly what they paid for. And yeah. <laughs> I will say when I when the kids got the pizza, I, in my mind imagines them saying, "Keep the change, you filthy animal." But, <laughs> man, uh, you know, there's a lot of mini references to that. <laughs> kind of like there, the pizza was totally one of them. Well, I think um, if you if you're not ready for the character, I think we're going to move into your top five though, because I want to make sure we okay. have time to talk about all of your movies. Because there's a good chance where you're going to have stuff to say about them or questions about them. Because if we don't know him, I want to know more about him because I am a uh, avid movie watcher. I've almost kind of completely stopped watching television and exclusively trying to catch up with the you know millions of films that I've not seen in my lifetime that I hear are great and whatnot. Um, I'm I'm ready for the character. You ready? Yes. <gasps> yes. I, I want to be oh. more like Willy Wonka, dude. Oh. I, Wait, I, I want to pre- yeah, present we, we, everybody with this gorgeous, unique world that they've never seen before where they get to taste the tastes and smell the smells and and take in the oh, the amazingness but 
if you act up, I totally want the button that makes you fall through the floor. <laughs> Fair enough. Dude, that, that's a great and answer, bye. man. Um, <laughs> Sweet and salty. Exactly. <laughs> and as Corey asked, and it's definitely one we have to make sure that uh, you are referring to the Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, and not. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's the only one that matters, but. No. Well, just for clarification. So, you know that Gene Wilder, like, wait, did he recently pass? He did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. My, my old, my, so I, I'm no longer with this entertainment lawyer, but my entertainment lawyer used to be best friends with him. Like, they played oh, tennis three times, a, three times oh. a week. And I was like, wait, he's alive? Because I had figured he'd passed a long time ago because he'd not been in any movies. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, he's just sick of acting. Oh, man. Um, and it was so sad because I kept wanting to be like, man, I want to write him the role that makes him want to do it again because he was so mm-hmm. magical. Yeah. Um, but but my lawyer was like, he just, he was sick of it. It's so sad. bizarre to hear that. Mm-hmm. How can you become so giant and not really actually enjoy it? I mean, some people are like, – there's actors now that I hear stories that have fallen into that and um, like I'm going to name names just because it's, it's been pretty publicized with Kevin Smith. But uh, Bruce Willis supposedly h- kind of hates acting but it's his job so he keeps doing it because that's how he you know makes money. And right. that kills me because I love like 80s Bruce Willis is some of my favorite. I am one of the oh, few supporters of Hudson Hawk. Here, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I made them watch it a few weeks ago because I beat them in a. We do the summer movie wager um, where we we preview all the summer movies, but we we like draft them kind of like fantasy football, and I I crushed them this year. So they had to watch Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I like you know um quick quick story not about meeting Bruce Willis but about being a bartender oh. um while I was waiting for undocumented to happen, and uh his his brother who produces all of his movies. Um, came up to the bar and I was like, "You're Bruce." He's like, "Not Bruce." Oh, because <laughs> he he was just like the. Oh, I hope he doesn't hear that. Like the schlubbier version of, of Bruce Willis, like, like the brother, oh, no. the, the brother who kind of wasn't the Bruce Willis face. Oh, um, and like, he was like... super nice, and he told me all about how how he works and how his brother like wants him to produce all of his movies and so it was really like helping with that and it was awesome he was very 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 nice um and i i swear i never said he was just the ugly brother yeah um <laughs> but i was thinking it the whole time so oh, man. i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay i'm i'm the ugly brother so i'm it's it's, it's a torch someone at least one brother has to have any family. I, I, I know the feeling. Oh, I'm the only brother, but I understand. Aww. <laughs> Aww. I guess that makes you're by both. default. Yeah, like you're both. <laughs> Just depends on who's looking at you at the time. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> all right, so uh, Chris, what is your number five movie of all time? Okay, so I'm going to be um, pretty uninteresting or or interesting, I don't know, but like I, my some of my favorite movies are very popular. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm that guy. I'm def, I like I'm I'm not the guy who's gonna be like, well, there is this Dutch movie from 1912. 
There's only one copy, and it's in my asshole right now. Like, I don't, I don't hey, know. I've um, got copies of movies there. <laughs> super obscure. So, um, my number five is Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, dude, I'm right there with you. And I'm writing a movie right now. Um, it's like my next one after the. Well, I guess this this one's also super supernatural. So I've been trying to describe to um, people who I pitch this movie to, like what the tone is because it's not horror but it, it almost seems like it would be like like Jurassic Park if I were to pitch you it's about dinosaurs like attacking people it sounds like a creature feature mm-hmm. definitely it's it sounds like a creature feature and yet mm-hmm. no one would ever describe Jurassic Park as horror so I ask mm-hmm. you guys what is that genre well according to Blake Snyder thriller <laughs> It's like an adventure with horror thriller set pieces. Yeah. Well, the raptors the in the kitchen. It? It's terrifying. It's so terrifying. It, it gave me nightmares as a kid. It's still one of my favorite movies yeah. ever, but I was horrified it's, by those raptors. Freaking opening I, doors, it's, man. It's too It's too fun to be a horror movie. Yeah. It's just too, it's too yeah. like, fun is the best word I can put it, like. I would I would have nightmares of raptors in my room, except I just had so much fun watching yeah, that. Yeah, totally. So that's that's what I'm shooting for with this next script, where it's like, it's PG-13. It's definitely scary and thrilling when it's scary. It's just too fun to be called a horror movie. So we'll see. I'm really excited about this. See, and I can't remember if it was Roger Corman, but I want to say it was, that exploited that whole horror fact, uh, you know, they... You know how they do, like the Asylum does now, but I think it was called Carnosaur, and it played up a whole lot more. Yeah, of that, I remember those. Of that, um, but see, what I was thinking when you started talking about the script, I was thinking, you know, it'd be clever, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead version where you're following non-main characters from that <laughs> universe. That's cool. Hmm. I'm. I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll say about this script is it's. Lost is my favorite pilot of all time and my most, <laughs> and my most frustrating show of all time. Mm. <laughs> and so I am currently putting the finishing touches on a script that's basically what I wish Lost had been. Wow, dude, that hey. just got uh, have me. You, have you seen and, the meme for that? No. It was very recent that Lost was uh, a, a D&D session where the GM gave up and had to split up the parties. Yeah. Man. I haven't seen that, but I am a huge Lost fan. Um, I am I am also an Abrams fan, uh, despite his you know lens flares, and I, I'm I I don't have as many problems with the the series. I, I do. Most people lose it. I think in the end of three, um, which is right. That's exactly where strike. I stopped. Mm-hmm. I stopped at the end of three. Yep, and the writer strike didn't help matters. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, I I I. I've, appreciate the ending a lot and i, I but the, the pilot though yeah definitely one of the best ever plus john locke is my like, favorite pilot of all time yeah yeah and john yeah, locke is so such good. an awesome character um i i absolutely love that character so yeah totally yeah. i'm psyched to see uh where that goes because jurassic park yeah, and really cool. mesh together i'm i'm in so um yeah i mean it doesn't have dinosaurs no, but it's, no. it's that genre of like the tone but it would be scary if you weren't just like loving what you're seeing at the same time. Make, make sure, make sure you have fish biscuits in it. 
Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> um, well, Jurassic Park is on my top five list, too, actually. It is one of my favorite movies ever. And despite, I actually, um, I, I tend to dislike a lot of the big, like, dumb action, like, blockbusters. Like, I'm not a fan of the Fast franchise. I'm not a fan of the Transformer franchise. But I kind of have come to realize that the rest of the Jurassic movies are that for me because I don't care how dumb they are. I'm going to go see them and just enjoy, you know, the craziness of the dinosaurs. Like, I don't consider Jurassic Park that, mind you, but, like, Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, and Jurassic World, which was a lot of fun. But there's some real stupid stuff in that movie, but I had a blast right. watching it, so. Uh, mm, you leave Bryce Dallas Howard alone. <laughs> I didn't point her out specifically. I felt it. Yeah, Lost World. You know, mm. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's a questionable film. Mm-hmm. But it has some of the coolest set pieces in any movie ever. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's so. a gymnastic moment kicking a raptor that's just <laughs> right, just that's, awful. That's, that's, that's that was that that was out of uh, Hot Shots Part Two, I think, <laughs> where she flips and lands. Yeah, on, yeah, on, on the, the horse. Bed. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, was on the, it the horse, bed. Right. I thought she did on the horse. Maybe on the bed too. There was there was some that, gymnastics on the bed. Something too. on the bed. Yeah, I remember. If that's not Hot Shots, that was Naked Gun. But I know that was in one of those. Um, yeah, that, oh man, that's funny if if Lost World pulled from freaking either one of those movies, <laughs> something's wrong, but, all right, um, what's that's your number, fire. uh, number four, Chris? Number four is Alien. Oh. Mm. Alien, just no yeah. S, right? Alien, yeah, Ridley no Scott. Yeah, no S. All right, I'm with you on that. I, By the I, way, Aliens is a great movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's a silly argument that people have, because what I think they're really saying is... I really love both. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm an action person. Or I really love both, but I'm a horror person. Yeah. That's really all I'm saying. Do you remember your description of Child's Play? Yeah. I mean, clearly, because you did it. Yeah, I was going to say. That yeah. was my ex- my experience with Alien, because oh, wow. I had been, it, was the net, it was the network premiere of it on ABC, if I recall correctly, and I was specifically told not to watch it. <laughs> so that was my direction to clearly be up and watch it. And my parents How were old were out. you? I was ooh, probably older than, you know, because I, I, uh, I want to say I was in my teens. And I my mean, anything are... less than 15, and I would have been horrified. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I was less than 15, definitely less than 15. They were out at a some sort of work function holiday party of some sort. My palms are sweating describing this. And I, 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 I think it added that additional level of terror every time, you know, lights would seem like they would pull in the driveway because then I would have to – we had no remote control. Oh, yeah. I had to run to and, – and then run back in the hallway to go back to my bed. So that oh. – yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you with Alien for sure. And and who stuffs a magazine, tries to murder someone with a magazine? That's Dude, that seems horrifying. Oh my god! Oh. Man, yeah, you'd think you'd think you'd be able to breathe through the little hole in the center, but no, <laughs> no, can tighten yeah. the magazine so there's no hole. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Um, One of my favorite mock-up posters of all time is uh, there was some I don't know who made this, but it was brilliant. It's just a uh, like a not not polished metal wall, so it's kind of like just grimy metal wall. And there's three different liquids running down it. One is white, one is red, and one is eating and corroding away at the oh, metal edge. And it's kind of like uh, that's, mm. that's awesome. Like it's brilliant. 
man. Um, I, I actually I showed I'll, this. I'll, I'll I'll email this to you. It's oh, please it's do. Such a cool post. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah totally want to see that. Um, I uh I I taught Alien last year. Um, it's hard to do horror in in a high school. Um, you know, some kids still haven't been exposed to anything. Uh, so they get real jumpy. Um, and that's I had that was the case last year. I had one kid who really hadn't sat through a horror film and Alien really freaked her out but it won her over uh and she actually has started watching horror films because of aliens so um because she had a good like convert yeah she was you know freaked out like i was i was watching her while she was watching the movie and i was like oh man i'm gonna hear about this one because she's really like intense like just like on edge every second and uh but i mean it's it's one of my favorites too um i really wish uh the franchise held up um you know we went and saw covenant um earlier this year and i I like covenant i didn't love covenant uh i am not a fan of prometheus Corey is um i love prometheus i don't even care Corey likes michael fassbender a lot i think that has a lot to do with it i do he was also in covenant and i covenant just wasn't as good to me as prometheus no it wasn't i mean i've enjoyed Prometheus. prometheus a lot more but alien and alien i i i would agree i think prometheus is better Oh wow! Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I this is a really weird argument I've had with people. Is um, I think um, people are used to a movie explaining seventy five percent of itself and leaving the other twenty five up for interpretation or for you to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And the and the reason why people didn't like Prometheus is it's it's actually got the opposite. It explains about twenty five percent of itself. And it leaves up for interpretation or filling in the blanks 75%. <laughs> and so if you don't mind that and have a really active imagination or really enjoy putting pieces together, there's actually a cohesive story going on that's pretty brilliant. Um, but you have to do some work. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it it's dealing with you know topics that Ridley has proven to be very, very interested in. Um, you know, especially meeting one's creator, um, being a theme right. that pulls over and over again. Uh, but yeah, Aliens, a classic and one that I also love quite a bit. Um, thank you. I think the whole podcast here, we're all big fans of that film. I do like it more <laughs> than Aliens, though, which is not always the, like you said, it's usually one or the other, but it's, it, I just think that it's scarier, but I, I don't know. I think they're both good movies. Aliens is more like Jurassic Park. It's just really fun. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. Definitely. It's yeah. it's just a roller coaster ride. Right. Quotable. And lines. like Sigourney Weaver, like the, the the Ripley that we all know and love is really from Aliens. It's not from Alien. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. She, well, she hadn't quite found herself then, and she was just kind of. She her voice had not been developed until Aliens. Yeah, but like all of her other movies in within the Alien franchise, it's because of Aliens. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. <laughs> Although we all want to forget, uh, was it Resurrection? Ooh, um, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, that I think leads us to your number three. So. My number three is my favorite horror movie of all time. My, my top two are not horror. They're they're kind of horror adjacent, kind of like Little Shop. Okay. Um, but my number three, my favorite horror movie of all time is uh, 1982 Poltergeist. Wow. Yeah. And That's I'll great. tell you why. I saw it when I was like 
nine, I think. <laughs> and the the movie's terrifying. So like mm-hmm. the 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 kind of like more emotional stuff I'm about to describe, it does not detract away from the fact that that movie is fucking terrifying. The clown, the tree, the crazy white thing at the top of the stairs. Zelda the, Rubenstein. Like, the the face Zelda ripping. Rubenstein, the the closet turning into this like orifice. Oh man. You know, like it, it was horrifying. Ugh. Um, but the thing that makes it my favorite horror movie of all time is there's a scene about halfway through all the, like, um, all the tech has been set up. Everyone's kind of fallen asleep. They're, they're waiting in the living room. And then these lights start coming down the curved staircase. Mm-hmm. You guys remember this scene? Oh, and yeah. they, they start to wake up and they're and their monitors start beeping and start showing up on the video. And they're like, Oh my God, look. And you can see these, so it's these souls coming down. Um, and you can see their faces a little bit. And it's just, for a horror movie, it kind of just goes to this moment of wonder. Like, mm. my God, like, what what, what we are seeing from beyond death. And then one of the lights passes through Jo Beth Williams. And she gasps. Mm-hmm. She throws her hands to her chest. And she, she starts bubbling and, 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 and near tears. And she goes to her husband. She's like... Our daughter just passed through my soul. She just went through my soul. And she grabs her scarf and she's like, smell her. You can smell our daughter on me. And she takes the scarf to her husband, makes him smell it, brings the older daughter over, brings the brother over. Like, Caroline's alive. She went through my soul. You can smell her. She's here with us. And I remember tears streaming down my face. And I felt so confused. I was like, why am I crying? This is a horror movie. Um, And... That has been my my go to. It's the thing that I want to pull off. And in fact, this movie that I'm developing with the bigger producers, it's my attempt at doing that. Oh man! Where it's Ooh. it's scary as fuck, but about one in three people who read the script admit to me they're like, I I teared up at the end. Wow! And because I feel like when horror movies do try to be emotional, they end up coming off incredibly cheesy mm. or like. I'm not going to name names, but like, uh, the, you know, like sometimes they just kind of lose their tone and they become this like melodramatic fizzle. Yeah. Um, and it's a tough thing to pull off. But when done right, you get a movie like Poltergeist. Yeah. So that's that's my candy. That's that's what I'm that's what I've been put on this earth to do is to make another Man. movie like that. Um, I was, man, I was going to ask, I feel dumb asking now because that was the best description I've ever heard of Poltergeist, by the way. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, I was, I, I'm, I like the 1982 one for sure. I am also a fan of the remake, which I was going to ask if you saw and or cared for. Um, but I, now I feel dumb for even bringing it up because that was like <laughs> the best description. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's dumb, but I, that whole description, because I've forgotten that scene where you're talking about the soul going through. And, Burke, you brought it up. Uh, I think it was – I forget which TED Talk it was. It was a J.J. Abrams when we are talking yeah. about the Jaws scene. Yeah, man. And when you get these moments that touch you, when you don't expect – I mean, Jaws, you think – and we've said this before in the podcast. It's about the shark. It's about that thrill, about that terror. But then you get these human moments 
because mm-hmm. now probably why I don't remember it is having watched it so long ago when I wasn't a parent. Now being a parent, that's going to yeah. affect me a whole different way. Big time. And so now, I mean, I'm thinking I, I need to watch it again because it's been so long. I, I love that one. That uh, I tried the remake, but that that just wow. And yeah. I totally forgot that. I mean, I love Sam Rockwell. Like I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan, so he gets most of his movies get a pass for me pretty instantly. But um, I, I did like the new one, but the old one. I mean, it's it's obviously a classic. Uh, Toby Hooper, who just passed away not too long ago. Um, and then Spielberg's attachment to it as well, which that scene seems like a Spielberg scene to me. Um, it's totally a Spielberg scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Spielberg's one of two directors who has two movies in my top ten. Oh, that's a hit. Oh, oh wait well, a Top minute. ten. He said top ten. We may not hear those other uh, ones. <laughs> uh, and he's got two movies in my top five, so. Yeah. Oh. I, I am uh, – Edgar Wright is that for me. Edgar Wright has. Uh, oh, he's so good. He has a direct yeah. connection to my brain, and everything he makes is like for me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, man, I can't believe that was only number three because the the passion you just had for number three was <laughs> impressive. So, what is your number two? So my number two, um, it's not a horror movie, but I, I like to call it like a friend of horror. Okay. Um, and it's Edward Scissorhands. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, you know, and fun fact, uh. The oh, uh, the shopping center sequence is filmed just thirty minutes away from where we live. Um, yep, that's awesome. Yep, so we, we yeah. see it all the time. And the and the neighborhoods, it the neighborhoods are all same. Lakeland, are all Lakeland, Lakeland and Tampa. Yep. So it's and... so if I were ever an actor and I was having like a tough time crying, you can play any song from that soundtrack oh, and I would just start gushing. It's it's the most like emotionally powerful soundtrack i've ever heard in my life i i never would have because that was anthony michael hall that played the boyfriend wasn't that yeah yes yeah. it is i never would have expected him in that role no and he did it so well i mean that's that's a whole different part of it but yeah mm. um i i think edward scissorhands it's it uh, i don't know if i'm going to be able to do a movie like that till later because i have to really think about it but the reason why it touches me so much is um, it it kind of brilliantly fused two two myths or fairy tales together, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I feel like there's other versions of that out here out there. But it it took so the obvious one is the Frankenstein story, yeah, <laughs> of like the the creation that everyone is impressed with until they're fearful of it. Um, and they mixed it with King Midas where everything he touches turns to gold. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, he also can't touch anyone. Oh yeah. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Definitely. And they took, it's like they took a sad story. King, King Midas ends up being a sad story. Mm-hmm. He, he, he literally can't touch anyone for the rest of his life. Um, and, and melds it with another sad story, which is the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like the saddest story ever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the saddest. Yeah. Oh, man. And and, it, and really, those all those stories really get me. Like, um, the Iron Giant stories about like a a really well-meaning 
innocent character who gets misunderstood and and kind of like shunned by society and and attacked and and hunted those ones always get me yeah i agree um i actually just showed this to my class a few months ago and they all i I love that it holds up you know it's uh 17 20 i'm sorry 17 no my Uh, math 27 27 years old um and it still works uh perfectly i mean it's fun because they they're familiar with Winona Ryder from Stranger Things, and babies you know, and modern Johnny Depp. That's so funny, yeah. So like they're watching it like, oh, that's the mom from Stranger. So Things. Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Captain Jack, or that's all we got. His, his big character Mordecai. If you want to go that direction, um, <sighs> you know, um, that's you know, jab it, poor Johnny Depp. But um, yeah, the the movie and Tim Burton. I mean, even you know this, it's like the epitome of their them both like you get this amazing performance from Depp uh his you know Tim Burton's gothic style really shines in this movie and um man just in Alan Arkin who has like just a small performance so but he's good. so funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Diane Weiss I feel oh, yeah. like everybody had some of their best performances of their lives in that movie yeah and it's, it's such a weird movie to have had a great performance in because it's this heightened, stylized, it shouldn't be emotional because it's so weird. Yeah. Um, and yet it is. Yeah, and so. that's, you know, my, we were talking too, um, my students were asking, like, because the, the movie's framed with Kim as an old lady telling the story of Edward Scissorhands to her granddaughter, and mm. you have to, you know, debate whether or not did it really happen or is she making it all up. Um, and then too, like, the way the world the world seems so much more vibrant once Edward comes to it than it does in the opening scene where you see you know Diane Weiss character going door to door selling Avon it's it's kind of bland and colorful but when he comes back down the world seems so much more vibrant and so like yeah is that just right. because of his that's how he's perceiving all these colors because all he's ever seen is the gloom of his you know Frankenstein esque mansion right. so just it's such a oh, wow film. yeah it's like the uh, it's it's like the movie for me that represents anyone who's ever felt like an outsider or yeah. uh, some some shunned, you know, like person who people don't get. Yeah, it's it's the it's the perfect movie if you ever feel like a freak. So it's so hmm. good. So I need to watch it every day. <laughs> <laughs> and the moment, and then I I already gave away my favorite one. Oh, is it Little Shop of Horrors? It's Little Shop. Yes. Which is just, uh, it's, that's a movie. A, it's, it's the most fun. It's just so fun. It's just goddamn fun. But also (laughs) like, I, I saw that when I was five and loved it and then saw it, uh, you know, again and again and again. By the time I was 12, I was loving it for a different reason. Then when I was like 18, I was loving it for a different reason. In my 20s, like, it keeps changing mm. why it's good. I totally get and that. That's really, and that's I'm really worried cool. about this remake. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> oh. <sighs> no, thanks. We already got one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they've... Uh... It's at least this one has been done on you know music, Broadway musicals and stuff, so it's it's been mm-hmm. reimagined several times. So maybe that's a positive sign that it won't be awful as a, a remake. Although I mean, Rick Moranis yeah. is you know such 
such a memorable performance for him. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he doesn't do much acting anymore. He's basically retired. But um, oh, see, I was going back. I thought it was the the old old one, oh. Jack Nicholson. I was thinking the. Oh no, that's the that's the Roger Corman version. Sorry, I, I meant the musical version. Okay, okay, that's that's what I went with. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm glad I guessed correctly. <laughs> when I was six, I rented the wrong one. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this?" <laughs> <laughs> Disappointment. This is uh, I terrible. Think, I think a lot of people do that to Roger Corman films, but you know, <laughs> right? Man, um, um, you know who uh, bought the rights to make the film? Probably six years ago. I was. Because it's it's a movie I've always wanted to remake, and then when he got the rights to it, I was like, "Shit! Oh, no, this is good." It was an actor. Oh, can you guys can you guys guess? He's like in his young thirties, a huge actor, really talented, very very good actor. Right. No, you know, probably would have played Seymour. Huh. Oh man, I really want to know this. Um, <clears throat> he's got three names. Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh man, that would be amazing. Joseph Gordon-Levitt yeah, got okay. the right and his, it, but I, I, I think he liked it. He let him lapse. He let them lapse. Yep. He's got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. I, I'm he sure does. anything he does will probably do well because he seems to be pretty selective and choosy. I think he would. Which is so good. For I yeah, agree. I could I could see that. I can definitely see that. Which is crazy because. I was not a fan of Third Rock, and I'm probably in the minority. But he really grew up and has done so well. I, I mean, he was, I, I first noticed him in Mysterious Skin. Oh, I don't know that. One. I don't either. What? You don't know this one? I'm looking. Mm-hmm. At it's gonna mess your world up. It it's so good, but so dark. It's Greg Araki. Oh, oh then I need to know this one because I'm a huge fan of the Doom Generation and, um. Uh, nowhere. We just talked about nowhere many, many, many episodes ago. So I, I recall. Uh, that's yeah. Greg Araki is fantastic. Skin, the reason you're what? So you're gonna be confu- you're gonna be confused. You're like, what is this movie about? And then it's all leading up to the last ten minutes where there's a reveal. Oh wow! That oh. explains the connection of what you've been watching, and it's so good. Oh, it has you watched, Corbett in it too. Have you watched Nowhere? Yeah. That that at that end got. I'm like. Whoa. And then the yeah. Doom Generation itself, too. Man. Oh, wow. 2004. Yeah. Added. Uh, I was just going to say Brick, because we just watched Brick recently, and I absolutely love Joseph Gordon-Levitt in oh, Brick. But... Brick's so good. Oh, one of my students just recommended that to me oh, a few man. weeks ago, and I need to watch that. It's Ryan Johnson, man. It's the guy who just directed Last Jedi. Um, yep. Fantastic. Well, uh, that is our top five for the week. Um, Chris... Uh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Uh, it was great getting to talk to you and hearing uh, your top five. Well, I'm, uh, I just had a blast talking uh, movie geekery with you guys. So uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, when the next one comes out, let's let's hang out again. Awesome, awesome. I'd lo- thank I, you. I can't wait to get to see the next one. Um, where can people follow you on like on the internet if they want to keep up with what you're doing? I so Facebook's kind of like my boring. I just put personal pictures up place so if if you want to see like news about the movie and just kind of like more like movie talk um it's definitely twitter or instagram 
<clears throat> so uh, on Twitter, I'm just at my last name, so at Peckover. And I, th- I think I'm the only Chris Peckover in the world. So if you just look up Chris Peckover on <laughs> It'll pop Instagram. Up. Wow, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really, like, small family like it's it's kind of like it's hard to find us i think so uh yeah on on, on instagram i think i'm just chris chris back over i, I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> it is i just creepily found you oh there you go yeah there that's not creepy you just said it <laughs> yeah. but i followed him too <laughs> right that's, not cre- that's not creepy either he said <laughs> okay it's like we're talking and i'm just you know quick 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 follow hey you that's know awesome. It, it's how it gets done in this world, right? It's how we communicate nowadays. It's all through social. Yeah. Um, exactly. Well, be- better watch out is out now on home video and VOD. Uh, do you have a preference on how people see it? Should they go with Blu-ray or is digital okay? Oh yeah, digital. Digital is great. Blu-ray is great. Honestly, so I, I heard this once from someone where apparently renting something it gets more money to the filmmakers than buying it, but that makes no sense to me. <laughs> I think it's because if you're going to watch it multiple times and rent it, but that means you're just spending more money. Yeah. So honestly, I just say, go go watch it. Go rent it and watch it, and if you like it, buy it. I don't know. Um, it, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at the point in my career where I'm still just flabbergasted that it's it's gotten as much attention as it has, and I'm just loving any of any any form a a through d <laughs> well i don't, I don't are, you, know. are you are you sh- go ahead mike sure you wouldn't be interested in the white van distribution method oh, that Jesus. Burke seems to enjoy. <laughs> I, I did not recommend you know, that. <laughs> we could we could say popsicles it. and it, it, on the popsicle stick in the center it, it says better watch out well yes. i mean if the white van if the white van says better watch out that's gonna you know, oh, that, peak someone's interest bring people running um actually uh <laughs> running to the police <laughs> yes <laughs> um i'm a okay, I'm, I'm not a distribution person <laughs> i'm a fan of other movie podcasts and stuff as well and um battleship pretension is one that's based out of la and uh, their writer, David Bax, also highly recommended Better Watch Out. I had just finished um, watching it and messaging you, and the next day he talked about it on the podcast. Um, and then uh, there's a book called Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. You ever heard of it? Wait, is this written by Alonzo? It is, because he's also a I fan of Alonzo. your movie. Yeah, he was on an episode of Battleship Pretension, and they ended up discussing your movie as well. So I just wanted to give them props that other people are talking he, about this he's been very vocal and i've been so thankful to him because he's also among other things he's also like a a big big time movie critic yes big time so yeah no he's he uh i i have definitely sent him more than one message being like i don't know if it's appropriate for a director to thank a critic because if my next movie's bad you're, you're not going to care that i thank you but thank you <laughs> And I, I, you know, I'm on the other side because I, I wrote my review and immediately tweeted at you. And I don't know if like I'm I'm an amateur critic. I've only I've been doing this for two years now, and um, I do have a degree in in journalism, but I didn't go to be a film critic. I just went to be a reporter, and I've just kind of self taught turned myself into a film critic. And um, I don't know if that's cool to do. But I figured, hey, if I'm saying nice things, I was probably fine to like tweet my review at the director just because i think if you work hard at something you want to know that people like it or not at least that's how i feel like i want to know if what i'm doing is is entertaining to people or or you know worth their time 
essentially. So I feel like it's my way of saying, hey, good job. You know, like it's great. And here's what I said about it. So um, anybody who complains at being tweeted at with a nice review is insane <laughs> because for me, it's like it's like there's some dark times sometimes, especially just writing horror movies like you if you if you're doing it well. It's ripping at you and it's tough. And sometimes you start doubting yourself and going to dark places yourself where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I'm 35 and, and everyone I know has higher paying jobs than me. Like (laughs) I'm crazy to think that I can make this into a living. And then, and then someone tweets you something nice and you read it and you're like, let me, let me keep going for a little bit longer. So that's, that stuff is, is incredibly helpful to, to artists and, and anyone who who says, I don't like that. They can go suck an egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- uh, Chris Peckover, everybody, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. And like you said, I hope we have you on in a future episode. I would love that. Thank you guys for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks again. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks, bye. And that's our show, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week with um, another episode. I don't have in front of me what we're doing, so uh, I'll post that on the show notes. So once I have it in front of me, um, This is Top 5 Movies. Thanks, everybody. 